this is something that I think we'll all look back on one day and go, wow, we were part of this introducing the church back to this amazing woman. And we got used. Christ let us, you know, be part of this. This is First Person. Welcome to our program today as we'll hear about a new music project soon to be unveiled featuring the recently discovered unpublished poems of hymn writer Fanny Crosby. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Bobby Blazier will join me in just a moment. To find out more about today's guest and topic, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. A second feature of our website is the archive of all past interviews you can stream online, and a third is the schedule of upcoming guests and topics. So just visit firstpersoninterview.com. And before I introduce our guest, please take the time to get acquainted or reacquainted with the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. First Person is produced in association with FEBC, and we love to spread the word about what God is doing through local language broadcasts in over 100 countries of the world. Learn about FEBC by clicking the link at firstpersoninterview.com. Bobby Blazier is a Nashville musician and producer who, along with many others, is involved in bringing to life musically some recently rediscovered and unpublished manuscripts of the famous hymn writer Fanny Crosby. Bobby and I have worked together occasionally, and we spoke on the phone recently about this new project, and as we began, I asked him to introduce himself. Most people in Nashville would say, that's kind of a confusing question, because um, <laughs> I, I play drums. And I produce records, and a lot of people that know that I produce records really don't know that I play drums. And there's a lot of people that know that I play drums don't know that I produce <laughs> records. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think it's part of where God has, ha- you know, He has me in, in the door that He's opened every day to me. In, in my life is a new day. I don't know what is really going to happen next in my life. And, uh, and, I, and I live like that. Yeah, I, it's kind I, of a fun way to live, I, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, I I wish there was more the, of you know Sundays. The corporate thing would be great, and and I've had have experienced that working for EMI for two or three years, and then I worked for the Orbisons for about six years, and and that was fun, and I enjoyed it. But it was uh, uh it was you know it was, for my free spirit being a musician, it was kind of a little uh, hemmed in at moments, and guys mm-hmm. just really allowed me to meet people that I never thought that I would meet and play on things that I never thought I'd play on and be around people that, you know, and it's, it's really interesting to be around those people that you've always seen when you were a little kid. And then you realize they're no different than you, you know, yeah, they, they were, we're all fallen and we need a savior and we all need us are, you know, we need Christ in our life. At every front, you know, on, it makes a difference if you're a superstar or you're just the guy down the street, you know, trying to make a living. It's it's an even playing field God's put us on. You know, we 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 look at it a little differently sometimes because of TV and movies and music and all that. But at the end of the day, it really is. We are all just so broken, and it just shows how much we really need a Savior in our life. Well, it tells me a lot about you that you recognize that, uh, living the life that you do in Nashville, because that, that, uh, that can be a rather confusing scene sometimes. And you know what? Uh, when, you're, when you're playing the drums, and not when you're producing, but when you're actually playing as a musician, are you in the studio? Or are you on the road? What's life like for you there? It's about 60% studio, 40% live. I don't, I don't get to play as live as much as I used to. 
I have a band here called the Nashville Alternators, and it's a bunch of session musicians. We put this band together, and it's basically music from the 70s that we all grew up listening to that we've always wanted to play our whole life. And we've gotten to play with some of those artists from the 70s, and and but it was just stuff that we've always, uh, you know, we have all known in our wheelhouse. And so it kind of, about five years ago, we kind of, I did an event for uh, the uh the flood victims here, and it kind of was uh, born out of that, and more people kept asking us, and it's just kind of grown and grown and grown and grown into now we play probably two or three times a month, and uh, it's just one of the funnest things that we get to do because, first of all, all six of us are best friends. At the end of the day, we don't care if anybody shows up or not. We, we have more fun. We have more fun than anybody. Sounds like a so, lot of fun to me. It sure does. It, it is. It's a lot of fun. Well, um, I met you when uh, you were doing a live music gig with um, the Public Square, which is one of the radio programs yep. I host. And I also know that you've worked with another radio program that I host, and that's Parroting Today's Teens. So we have a couple uh-huh. of points of intersection, and yep. uh, I'm glad you could join us on First Person today, Bobby. But Thank you. I, I want to hear the story of what's been going on for the past, what, couple of years now or longer? Well, uh, it's actually, for me, it's been about... It's been six years now, seven years, okay. something like that. All right. So, and it has to do with Fanny Crosby. Now, a lot of people listening right now know exactly who we're talking about, and a lot of people don't know who we're talking about. So tell us who Fanny Crosby is. Fanny Crosby is uh, probably the most famous hymn writer in America. Uh, little five-foot blind woman from Connecticut. And uh, was born in 1820 and lived to be 95 years old and just became uh, really an amazing woman. And, uh, and on all fronts, I, you know, I getting to know more of her story. I, my dad was a minister, is a minister still, and I grew up in church. So I grew up knowing her music. And I didn't really know all of her story, but once you delve into who this little five-foot-tall blind woman is, she was... <laughs> She's a powerhouse, yeah. She was a powerhouse. I mean, <laughs> the first woman to ever address Congress and, and you know, wrote songs, 9,000-plus 9, 9, songs, and, wow. and knew so many of our presidents, you know. And it wasn't that she was seeking out the presidents. The presidents were seeking out this little powerhouse woman. Because she just walked in so much power and authority and grace, and and this the story is pretty amazing uh, of getting to know her, and then when you get to read her lyrics, it kind of brings her life into perspective of what we were talking about a while ago. She knew how much she needed a savior. She knew she was, you know, uh, you can tell off her lyrics that you know that. She adored Christ, that she just, every day, threw herself at his feet and said, what do you need? What what can I do? You know, I love you more than anything. What can I do, you know, yeah. to serve you today? Well, I, you said she wrote some 9,000 songs. I can think of one immediately, and everyone knows this one, Blessed Assurance, the old hymn. Blessed Assurance, and, and yeah. what, what are some yeah. of the other Fanny Crosby hymns that we would be familiar with? To God be the glory would probably oh, be the yes, one that, yes. you know, that would be, and it was, that song was really unique because it was a hymn 
that we all knew, and then Andre Krauts took it and did mm-hmm. his version of it too. Mm-hmm. So there, there was, you know, that was those are two probably of the most famous yeah. songs. You know, each denomination I think had particular songs that they would use. Sure, you know, more more than more if you came out of the Baptist and read you know a hymn book. And well, then, if you can find a uh, hymn book today, you'll find lots of Fanny Crosby hymns in there, won't you? And uh, we're, we're sure <laughs> we're sure grateful for them. And, and uh, the amazing thing is that she was so prolific and, uh, yeah. and such a such a gifted writer and and yet blind. That that's amazing. Blind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's blind about. I think it was two or three weeks after she was born. Uh, a quack doctor. She had some something wrong with her eyes, and I think they just put this really bad was supposed to be medicine on her, and just literally burned her eyes out. But, mm-hmm. So was she you know, educated? What year did you say she was born? Eighteen twenty was it? Eighteen twenty, and her. Her dad died shortly, you know, not long in her childhood. Her dad passed away, and her grandmother moved in. And her grandmother was really the one that taught her how to memorize things. Mm-hmm. And she could, she memorized, by the time she was like 13 or 14 years old, she memorized the first three or four books of, uh, of the New Testament. Uh, she was really famous for playing hide-and-go-seek in her backyard, which had lots of trees in it when she was growing up. But she could play with her friends back there because she knew where all the trees had numbered. She just knew where all the trees were. Hmm. And stuff like that. It's just amazing to me that how she just adapted. She, it was not, it was, it never, it never stopped her from progressing her, her intellect. She went to the School of the Blind, I think when she was 17 or something like that. And, and, she graduated from there, and then she became an instructor, and you know, it just went on and on. And so she, she, it was just one of those things for her. She, it didn't slow her down at all. We'll talk more with Bobby Blazier about this new project involving Fanny Crosby's poems coming up on First Person. Last year, the Far East Broadcasting Company received over two million responses to its broadcast, reaching people throughout Asia and beyond. And the stories they tell of lives changed by the gospel and the new hope and purpose they have found in Christ is outstanding. When you visit firstpersoninterview.com, be sure to click on the FEBC banner. Find out about the daily devotional, How Shall They Hear, telling many of these stories. That's the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest on First Person today is my friend Bobby Blazier. Bobby is a musician in Nashville, Tennessee, a producer there, and we're talking uh, not so much about Bobby. We're talking about a woman who died a long time ago, Fanny Crosby. You have such an appreciation for this woman. Uh, was it because you sang her hymns as a kid, Bobby? When, when did this when did this all pop up for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, growing up in church, you just you knew the songs, you, you knew. Occasionally, you might see a picture of her somewhere, but n- nothing really. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of knew the story a little bit. But about six years ago, I got introduced to a, a friend of mine, and he had done some research on how many songs he'd written. It was like close to 9,000. There's some, there's some, you know, people say there's seven, six, eight, nine, you know, somewhere like that thousand songs that this woman had written in her life, poetry, and my friend Stephen Kelly had done some research being a 
hymn book collector. And he was sitting in church one morning, and it just dawned on him. He goes, I know there are more hymns than, you know, than the 12 or 14 that we see in every hymn book. So he started searching. And this was kind of right when the Internet was starting to really become, you know, user-friendly. And he did some traveling and found out that her publishing company had given the her catalog to the Graham organization in the 50s. And they took it and stored it somewhere, and nobody ever looked at it. And so uh, 40 years later, they went and knocked the dust off of it and gave it to a college. And, well, the college did the same thing. They just took the boxes and stuck them in a corner. And Yeah. Well, that would have been the uh, the Billy Graham archives at Wheaton College, just a short distance from where I sit right now. So it was in the archives and kind of forgotten, huh? Yeah. And and rightly so. I mean, if you're not teaching kids the importance of this, how are they going to ever know about it? Sure. Uh, the, The significance of this woman, not only in just in church, music and in Christian world, but just in American music alone, what she meant. I mean, you really have to say she was probably the first American music superstar because she was so popular. Uh, There was nobody her equal on any front at that point. So she she was famous on a lot of fronts during that time. And so nobody of this generation has any clue who this woman is. Uh, unless you were, grew up in church somehow and you happen to study uh, American music or Christian music. So they sat up there until Stephen finally talked them into not giving them, but uh, letting us go in and make digital copies. Because at this time, the the, the paperwork is so fragile. Well, what's in the uh, box? You know, it was just handwritten lyrics. She had a girl that would go with her and her husband, who was blind, and write everything, huh. write everything down. And then it was signed by Fanny Crosby. And it was, some of it was letters she had written to her public. There was one beautiful letter that we came across that her publisher had given her an extra $10 for the quarter. $10. Oh, for the whole quarter. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and she was so grateful because she goes, how many people can I help and feed with this money? And the letter was just so, you just go, you know, it's it's so amazing, you know, the, this woman. And she just gave everything away, you know. So uh, when you got, when, when, when you said Stephen? Yeah, Stephen Kelly. When Stephen found this box, then you got mm-hmm. involved with this. I mean, did you guys realize what you had and... and what made you think that maybe we should uh, help some of these lyrics along with some new music? Well, I think uh, at the time, Stephen, he paid a lot of money to have them digitally uh, recorded. I mean, we made hard copies and we made digital so we could, you know, archive them and have them because they're so fragile. I mean, some of them are 150-plus years old hmm. in the box. I mean, they're just really... So I think he kind of knew what he had, but he didn't know what to do with it. And until he came to me and he said, 
do you know who Fanny Crosby is? And he starts telling me, you know, exactly how he got this. And I said, oh my God, I said, you're, I said, you're not, you're setting on one of the biggest pieces of music history <laughs> for America ever. I mean, this is, this is like, you know, in a hundred years, it's like somebody unearthing songs that Bob Dylan or Andre Crouch or somebody, you know, Stevie, that, yeah. Previously that unknown, never seen before. right, right, right. Unknown, yeah. So I said, you know, let's let me read through it. So I started reading through the lyrics, and you can't. I mean, when he put some of those lyrics in my hands, it was like it was a feeling like I had never had before. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so moving. And you know, you then you start reading them, and you're you're going, I'm reading something that probably nobody has ever read or maybe three or four people mm-hmm. from this amazing woman. And it was moving to me. I mean, I sat and wept for hours, you know, reading these lyrics. I mean, it was it was overwhelming. It was very overwhelming. Did it immediately and, occur to you that maybe you should be doing something with this musically? Yeah, I, it did. I mean, it really did. I thought, you know, this, is, you've, this has got to be shared with the world. I mean, people have to see this and hear this and, and be able to read these and... and because it's inspiring. I mean, it's really inspiring. I mean, you think about the hard times and stuff that you go through, and this woman went through it with grace and mercy. And, and I mean, there's a million stories about her and her husband being almost being evicted the day before they were supposed to be evicted out of their house. Hmm. They would just lay in bed and pray. And God, you're, you know, all, all she said was, God, your will be done. Well, the next morning, her rent would be paid. <laughs> Or there'd be ten dollars on the front door that would pay a month or two of her rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, those stories are numerous and numerous and numerous. I mean, it was some of them are in those little booklets or those little letters in there too yeah. about that, and, and some of them are, 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 are written out, you know, common knowledge. So, Bobby, I could talk to you for a long time about this. I'm so excited about this project, but I want everyone to understand what's happening now. You have yeah. uh, literally. Uh, pulled together a, a bunch of uh, musicians in Nashville, and and you guys have recreated or have created some music along with Fanny's lyrics, right? Yeah, yeah. We went in and recorded. Had a great band uh, of, like, Matt Pearson on bass and Michael O'Martian and, and Tim Lauer on keyboards and uh, Stu G and Chris Rodriguez on, on acoustic guitar, on, on guitars, and we just had John Hartley and I produce the, uh, this project, and it was so great. We had the Blind Boys from Alabama on it, Michael Douglas Smith and Darlene Check and Matt Redman and All Sons and Daughters and, and Ernie Haas. And, and there's there's so many great There's some new guys that, that are going to be on it, like Chris McCarney and, and, and Michael Farron, just amazing talent. You well, know, the, the, big question, the, the, the big question is, when are we going to get to hear this? Hopefully soon. <laughs> now, I think the record's supposed to be out uh, the first week of October. All right, so really, it's it's yeah. just around the corner then. It's just around the corner. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so anxious to hear this. There's also a special event that's going to take place in Nashville at Lipscomb University on October 8th, I understand. And I plan to be there, along with you and many others, of course. And tell us what's going to happen there, as you know right now. Well, it's just it's going to be a, an amazing evening. Uh, not all the artists can make it, but there's going to be quite a few. And uh, 
there'll be some local worship leaders there leading us in some of her old uh, hymns, and then we'll get right into some of the new stuff. Uh, probably six of the artists there on the record will be there. So as we gather that night in Nashville, we'll be singing some of those well-known Fanny Crosby hymns, but you'll mm-hmm. be we'll be singing some of the new stuff? Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Look forward to absolutely. that. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's going to be quite a program, and we'll have additional information about this evening in Nashville coming up on our website, uh, firstpersoninterview.com, and our listeners can find the information there. But, Bobby, looking back on this, um, just talk to me about your own personal sense of what's going on here, and what a privilege to be a part of this, huh? It's one of those life moments that you get, you know, once in your life that you get to be part of something that is so... Uh, historical and meaningful, and to me, it's it's uh, it's how I kind of grew up in church. Even though my generation was more part of the Jesus movement and the hippie movement, you know, when you read out of those hymns, they're so well written and they're so meaningful, and they're written from such this amazingly humble place. To bring that back to the church which I think a lot of churches are going back to is some of the traditional hymn writers. And, and nothing against the modern guys, because they're amazing. I mean, some of those guys are my best friends in the planet, and I respect them and love them. But they would even tell you, too, that this is amazing. This is this is something historical. This is something that they—I mean, I have been with Matt Redman before where we have looked for hymn books because he is a huge hymn writer in yeah. himself, and he loves those kind of structured hymns and, and lyrics, and he, he, I mean, his thought process in writing a song is so hymn-like, like Fanny. So a lot of these real modern guys, they understand what this is and how important this is to Christian music, to world music, and and very supportive, like Paul Balash and, and Matt, who I mentioned, and Darlene Check, some of these guys. And Michael W. Smith has been such a big supporter of this and really helpful. This is something that I think we'll all look back on one day, someday, and go, while we were part of this, introducing the church back to this amazing woman. And we got used. Christ let us, you know, be part of this. This is really about this amazing woman, in what she represents to the church and to her Savior. Bobby Blazier today with us on First Person, the special Nashville event called Heaven's Encore featuring these new songs and lyrics by Fanny Crosby will be held on October 8 in Willard Collins Alumni Auditorium at Lipscomb University. This will be a live recording of a radio program, and I hope to see you there. There's information about this ticketed event on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Just follow the link to Heaven's Encore. It's very exciting to think that we'll get to hear, for the first time in 100 years, undiscovered and new songs from America's most prolific hymn writer. You'll also find more on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And then don't forget that our new First Person smartphone app is now available on both the iPhone and Android platforms. Next week, we'll talk about a dramatic new film being released. Producer Terry Botwick will be with us to discuss the movie Captive. I hope you can join us. With thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company, and with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next week for First Person. First Person.